Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report, more specifically, the final NRL weekend wrap of the regular season. Now, of course, finals is still coming up. I already need to take a breath. It's been 40 seconds. (gasps) Take a breath. I went to the shops before. I'm a Warriors fan, so it just set in. It was like, it's Monday. It's finals. Finals is upon us. Our Penrith Panthers ahead, which kind of nerve-wracking. But we got finals, my team's in amongst the mix, Uh, I live in Melbourne, AFL finals fever taking over, my team, Melbourne Demons, very much in the mix, both my teams, NRL, AFL, top four, Uh, so feeling pretty happy right now, Uh, actually going to the AFL game on Thursday, and of course UFC Sydney, UFC 293 this Sunday, uh, taking place in Sydney, so it is a big weekend, Massive weekend for the podcast, Uh, and just quickly and just quietly, the last three weeks, we've had some big winnings, so the picks have been on point, uh, and going from UFC 293 on, it'll be the resumation of, I don't even know if that's a word, uh, the UFC Picks podcasts. so I've been doing all my research, I'll put the picks out there, I didn't end up getting time to do the UFC Paris picks. I went 10 from 11, uh, not exact methods of victory across the board, but head uh, head to head, 10 from 11. And yeah, I'm not trying to fucking blow my own trumpet. I'm just saying the picks have been good. Even last weekend, uh, we had Roosters to get it done over Rabbitohs. We had the Storm to get it done. Uh, the one that dudded me was going for my beloved Warriors uh, against the Dolphins. But we've been winning big, so... Picks are good, although it is a bit of a tricky round, especially because bias uh, comes into play. But weekend wrap, round 27. Uh, we've got the finals upon us, but as far as what's in store for today, going to start off, as always, with the round 27 performance highlights. So player of the round, team of the round, talking point. Uh, and also, that is going to lead in to the beginning Uh, of the voting process for the end of year podcast. Uh, So it's kind of like an awards, like a Dallium, except none of the players are aware of its existence. I think it's a bit of a piss take to actually call it an awards. So it's just an end of year podcast. Uh, But you're going to get to vote on the player of the year. Uh, The Rising Star last year won by Jeremiah Nanai. And basically, team of the year as well, coach of the year, plenty. Uh, But basically, the way it works... Uh, is I accumulate nominations from the entire season. So every weekend rap podcast, uh, for instance, 27 player of the rounds, which means they were the best player of that round, uh, 27 rising star nominations. I'm going to narrow it down uh, to like different formats, which I'll explain as I go through the performance highlights. Uh, And starting essentially tonight, uh, Monday, Otherwise, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to start the voting process. 
So as I go through the performance highlights, uh, I'll talk about the round 27 nomination, and then I'll also explain uh, for each one that's going to be involved in the end of year podcast, uh, I'll explain kind of what the voting process looks like. And then we throw it to you guys and girls, and you can vote. Uh, last year, a lot of similarities between uh, the Delhi M ceremony and what you guys actually voted for. Nico Hines was your player of the year, Jeremiah Nanai, uh, Rising Star. The team of the year was basically identical. I think you voted for Selwyn Cobbo uh, over Joseph Swali'i, uh, but we're going to do it all again this year. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and it will be in the form of an end-of-year podcast. Uh, so we'll go through performance highlights. Then I'll go through all the games in round 27. And as I've done the last couple of weeks, uh, instead of going game by game, I've liked the format of the last couple of weeks where I just do all eight games at once. And I don't, you know, go all in every aspect of every game. But yeah, I think it just runs a lot smoother, uh, more smoothly. And then once we get to finals, of course, I'll be going game by game. Uh, but today we'll just go through all eight of the fixtures in one swift motion. And then we're going to finish off with the final ladder watch of the year. We're going to go through the ladder. Of course, coming into the season, we had no idea what it was going to look like. A few surprises across the board as well. Uh, so we'll go through finals as well. Uh, so bottom eight, kind of a basic what went wrong for them. Uh, and then finals watch to finish off. We'll have a look at the games ahead of us in week one of the finals. Uh, so there's a little bit to get into today. I feel like, you know, we're going to keep this train moving and I'll try to cut out any unnecessary bullshit. So that's essentially what's in store. NRL weekend wrap, round 27. Now, there's nothing else to do. Let's get amongst it. All right, let's tap straight into it. As always, performance highlights can also be found over on our Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. Uh, now we'll start with Player of the Round. I had to go with Tolu Kola. Uh, now there were some pretty sound performances across the board, uh, but this is the second consecutive week where Tolu Kola at fullback has set the competition alight. Now there is somewhat of an asterisk given that it was against Bulldogs and Tigers. Like, at this point, I could have ran for 300 metres. I just, of course, like, I, I would get crunched by the Bulldogs and Tigers. Like, I, I know where I stand. But yeah, essentially, I could have ran. Fuck, I could have probably scored a try. You know, I don't think... I think you, the listener, could have probably, you know, had at least two line breaks against the Bulldogs or Tigers. Anyway... We move on respectfully, but Tolu Kola, player of the round. Two appearances at fullback. Uh, and what's very interesting, of course, is that the biggest narrative around Manly and the narrative that has surrounded the club for the last number of years, Tom Trebojevic, their prized asset, the Ferrari, spends a little bit too much time uh, in the repair shop. And I mean that respectfully. Like, he is such an awesome player. Uh, to the point where we know, uh, as soon as Turbo is healthy, that number one jersey is his. And look, Kohler, like I said, it was against Bulldogs and Tigers. 
No games in the NRL are easy, but you would want to see how he goes at fullback against the Storm or the Panthers or Broncos before you would consider a full-time permanent role at fullback. But we've seen heaps in the last four or five years that Tom Trebojevic has missed chunks of football and is in... I can't speak English. Blimey. Too many coffees. Uh, But in terms of, like, the next guy up and their top 30, a really important role within their squad is to have a guy ready to go at fullback uh, if Tom Trebojevic is unavailable. And Ruben Garrick has done a sound job. Uh, But I think with what we've seen from Tolu Kola, it wouldn't hurt next year to play him in the centres. But touch wood, we see Tom Trebojevic get through a full season. Uh, But if they do miss him throughout periods of the season, uh, Tolu Kola, I think it's worth exploring uh, him being that next guy up, spending plenty of time week to week at training, uh, working on his craft at fullback, give him some time there at pre-season, uh, basically between fullback and centres. And then I think Garrick, he's so good on the left wing. And Garrick, I mean, in his own right, has been great when he's played fullback. Uh, but I think it could be worth pulling the trigger on Tolu Kola. Uh, he was my player of the round, scored two tries, ran for three hundred meters that's what i like he's a runner he's a runner and so if he can add you know things like playmaking to his skill set then he could be an elite fullback he had 14 tackle breaks i uh, said so yeah the bulldogs players goodness gracious they just used all their energy wrestling uh fucking one guy through the week and they had none left to tackle tolu cola uh, he also had a try assist And I just think with this finisher to the season, Manly, of course, are you probably feeling uh, a little bit down at the moment, just given not playing finals, the way everything kind of worked out. Uh, But if you want to have a half-glass-full approach, there are a lot lot of things to like, and Tolu Kola is definitely one of them. And, you know, I think the thing that gets the biggest noise is situations like uh, Joseph Schuster, new player created. I'm always coming on here and just merging players and just being like, yep, uh, you are now Joseph Schuster. Uh, But Josh Schuster, there's a lot of talk of like, uh, here's this young kid at the Seagulls and it's just, it's not working. Uh, But there are a few cases at Manly where it is working and Tolu Kola is one of them. He was a bright young talent, uh, but he's someone who's still realizing his potential. And anytime you can get player of the round, uh, that's some pretty serious business, regardless of who your opponent is. In my opinion, solely my opinion, Tolu Kola across the entire competition was the player of the round. So that tells you there's definitely something to work with here uh, for Tony Siebes. And for player of the year 2023, uh, look, I don't think Tolu Kola will be amongst the votes for player of the year. He's really hit his straps, though, at the back end. Uh, But what we're going to do, top 16. Uh, So I'm going through at the moment. I'm checking every player of the round. uh, And I'm going to include the ones who've had the most votes. Uh, Because even, you know, Dallium's a bit different. Because players in every game get a vote. Uh, But I hold a lot of weight to the players uh, who through the season have been multiple-time players of the round. Like, best across the whole comp. 
Uh, so I'll put a few of them in. Then to make up the 16, uh, it's going to be very realistic. A little bit of my opinion, uh, but also looking at the actual Dellium leaderboard and trying to put together the most realistic 16 to vote for. And then how it's going to work, we're going to split the 16 into four groups. Group A, B, C, D. Pretty simple there. And then essentially you'll get to vote. And so player one, like I'll kind of look at the rankings of where they're at. Player one, group A, player two, group B, fucking so on and so forth. And then each winner from each group, so one advances, will go through to a final four. And then from that final four, you'll vote uh, who you believe was the player of the season. And we'll go through that in the end of year podcast. Now, when I talk about the end of year pod as well, I'll briefly say what you voted on last year, even though maybe you personally didn't vote on it. Last year's not just a sports report player of the season was Nico Hines. So there you go. Uh, James Tedesco was second. That last year wasn't a final four. It went from 16 to a final two. Uh, Ben Hunt was in and around the mix, but Nico Hines got the chocolates. On to Talking Point, which won't be involved in the end of year podcast. Uh, But the overall 2023 Talking Point, can anyone stop the Panthers from achieving a three-peat? I'll let you, food for thought, let you just, that can simmer in your brain. Uh, But Talking Point for round 27, which is why we're here today, South Sydney miss the top eight. From first spot on the ladder in what, round 11? The form team of the competition, looking like it was their destiny to go on and finally win the premiership. Even the Chinese, it's year of the rabbit. The Chinese, they were feeling it. Uh, But the bunnies were not feeling it. And they saved the ugliest two weeks of their season uh, right at the end. And it was kind of this feeling even through mid-season, because they were so good, uh, up to the point where they were leading the ladder. Even through Origin and stuff, like they didn't get going, they weren't getting the results. They lost to the Bulldogs, which ends up being a very crucial loss. And it was just kind of this sense of like, oh well, once the trails fit, they're just going to, you know, hit their straps or all these things. And it just didn't happen. And then shit hit the fan in the final fortnight. So that's the biggest talking point, because here we have a team that they should be in the mix right now for that premiership. As a Warriors fan, I'm stoked we're third. But if I'm a Rabbitohs fan, I'm seeing the Warriors in third. I'm seeing the Broncos in second place. I'm saying that should have been our spot. That's so unbelievable. I believe the three other teams that were in the prelims last year outside of the Panthers, all missed finals this year. Which is crazy because usually you're looking at those teams who are in the prelims and you're thinking, if anyone is going to get to that next level and lift their game to match Penrith, it's probably going to be the teams who've been in and around the mark. But no, they've missed out altogether. You've got sides like the Broncos now, the Knights, the Warriors, who are in the mix. Uh, But talking point from this past weekend, Bunnies missed the top eight. That's a huge fail. That's a huge fail. And yeah, I guess you have to be critical. 
Like, I, I don't really want to be too negative. Uh, but that is definitely unacceptable. For the roster they had, uh, exactly where they were at as a club, they should be competing for the Premiership. Now Sam Burgess gone. John Morris gone. Trying to work out exactly what's happening. And Jason Demetrio, still very young in his coaching career. Uh, but this is that first massive test. And if he overcomes this, at uh, long term, this could be massive for Souths in a really good way. But, I mean, the pressure has mounted for next season. They're going to go into next season with Jack Whiten coming on board. And regardless of where they're at as a club, like even if they're not actually premiership contenders, the expectation is going to be that they're competing for the premiership. So there's going to be no excuses if they come out, lose the first couple of games of the season, all of a sudden, avalanche of pressure. Jason Dimitriou under pressure to keep his job. Guys like Lachlan Elias, uh, the microscope's going to be on them. Latrell just can't escape it. He can go out on a farm, hang out with his family, be totally missing in action. No one sees him for two weeks. And there are still going to be people being like, fuck you, Latrell. Uh, so no matter what, even if they're winning, Luttrell is going to be under the microscope. You better believe Cody Walker, if their results aren't there, there's going to be pressure there. Damian Cook. It could get even uglier. Uh, now, I like Jason Demetrio. I have a lot of faith in the Rabbitohs as an organization. And this could be the catalyst for them to actually finally reach greater heights. I mean, look at Brisbane last year, uh, the way they just totally shit the bed fell out of the final series. Souths have done the same, except probably worse, because they were front runners at one stage. Uh, so I guess, for now, it's next year that's going to be the most telling. We'll have to see. Bunnies missed the top eight. What the hell? I don't mind it, as a Warriors fan. I certainly don't mind that we don't have to play them. But it's quite mind-boggling, isn't it? Year of the Rabbit. I was feeling Chinese. I really was. I thought it was after the Penrith game uh, where they scored two tries in the final 10 minutes. Rabbitohs ended up winning over the team that were the only team that had stopped them from winning a premiership. And I was like, I think I'm on board with Year of the Rabbit. And then I just, I kept watching them play poorly, but I was just making excuses from a neutral standpoint. Like, oh, they need to get the trail back. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on. They've got a got a couple of months now to unearth exactly what their issues are and go again. Rising Star. Final Rising Star nomination uh, for 2023. Still a far This kid was exceptional on Thursday night for the Melbourne Storm. Came off the bench. Uh, I believe he was playing a bit in the front line. Can play fullback. Can play on the wing. Scored two tries. It was just all over the place. Uh, now, I'm a big fan of Suofar Logo. In the preseason, I did a one-to-watch series, one young player from every club, uh, that I thought, yeah, keep an eye on this year. Suofar Logo was my player from the Melbourne Storm. And I think going forward, like we've seen Pappenhausen, the fullback, play this linking role, uh, coming on and playing in the front line. I believe next year, Pappenhausen, full-time fullback, and they may look to use Nick Meany 
in that role, coming off the bench, playing in the front line. But I think that role also could be perfectly suited to Suafaya Logo. We saw it here. He was on the bench. As soon as he came on, totally shifted the momentum, was a star. I mean, his performance was likened to that of Reese Walsh. And the best part, he's a Melbourne junior actually playing for the Storm. Uh, so we have a future superstar of the NRL. Given that he only played one game this year, he won't be uh, eligible for the overall rising star because uh, it will be a top eight. I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, but this is a future superstar of the NRL. Uh, now, I will be dropping the rising star top eight tomorrow on Tuesday. Uh, so as I've explained, we have 27 rising star nominations from this season. Uh, and I've narrowed it down to a top eight. I looked at stats. It took me a little while, but I'm going to tell you uh, the entire Rising Star nominations. I'm just going to go through names so I don't take up too much of your time. Uh, and it's in no particular order. But essentially, if you were the best young player of the round, you got nominated, you became eligible. Uh, we go to a top eight, and it's going to be 1v1 as far as the votes on Instagram. So first verse eighth, second verse seventh, etc., etc. Uh, one advances, obviously, and then it will be a final four, just like player of the season. You'll get to vote on the Not Just a Sports Report Rising Star. Uh, of course, last year, Jeremiah Nanai was the one that you got, uh, got your votes. I believe the finals also contained Isaac Tungo, who's gone on to do some pretty special things. Uh, Taylor May was in there last year. And there was someone else uh, who was having a fantastic season, but they escaped me right now. So here's just the list. I'm not going to break it down. But here are your 27 nominations for this year's Rising Star, uh, which will be the name of this segment up until the AFL uh, catch wind and they send their legal team and say, hey, uh, we kind of have patented and trademarked the Rising Star concept. And then I'll just be like, I actually saw Gil McLaughlin drive past me the other day, so maybe I'll run it by him. I'll be like, hey, come on. One for the little guys. Anyway, here are your eligible players for this year's Rising Star. Jareem Buller from the Tigers, Jacob Preston, Sania Taruva, Will Warbrick, Isaiah Katoa from the Dolphins, Alofi Khan Pereira, Junior Tupo, young Tigers player, Brendan Piakura, Siwa Wong, Wong from the Roosters. Brendan Hands from the Parramatta Eels. He was actually on track to be part of the top eight that you can vote on, but they kind of shunned him toward the end there. So I think he's probably going to miss out on the voting process. Valence Tefare, Velmaninga, he's eligible. Jonah Pezzett, young half from the Storm. Tom Jenkins. I had a few highlights this year, stepping up for the Panthers, Xavier Willison for the Broncos, Blake Wilson, a bit of a future talent for the Bulldogs, Dean Mariner from the Broncos, Dylan Lucas for Nuapole, Zach Laybutt, Tyrone Munro. Uh, Souths may have to look to him to kickstart uh, their fortunes once again. Ryan Couchman, Paul Alamotti, Ronald Volkman, K.O. Weeks, Cleese Huss, Trey Fuller uh, on his debut for the Dolphins, and finishing us off, Sua Fa'alongo. Uh, now this is the top eight that I've worked out. 
Hajarim Bula, Preston, Taruva, and Warbrick. That's my top four. Uh, and they'll be going head-to-head up against the likes of Katoa, Khan Pereira, Brandon Piakura. And then the last spot was up for grabs. Guys like Siwa Wong in the mix. Uh, but I just had a look through who's played the most games, you know, who's made the top 50 in a couple of statistical areas. And uh, Junior Tupo, he's made it into the eight from the West Tigers. So uh, you'll be able to vote for him. He'll be going head-to-head in round one against Bulldogs back rower Jacob Preston. Two clubs have had shit seasons, but that's one thing. There are a couple of Bulldogs here, a couple of Tigers, so not too bad. They're working on some very young superstars. Uh, but those are all the eligible players. Suafa Alogo, the round 27 nomination. And on to Tough Stuff. Uh, now, Tough Stuff I brought in because a lot of the time I found uh, the player of the round would be a fullback who stole the show, a halfback, a 5'8", dummy half. And I want to have something predominantly for the big fellas. Uh, but it's not exclusive to big boppers, but tough stuff. I introduced it last year just for guys doing the tough shit, you know, taking the carries that no one's putting their hand up for, taking the kickoff, and just in general, you know, getting into their defense, not being a liability. Tough stuff. Any of us who've played the game have a fair idea of what the tough stuff is. Whether it was you that was doing it, or whether you were like me, admiring some of your teammates' uh, fine work. And now, last year, Isaiah Papali'i was the Tough Stuff winner uh, from your vote. And Tough Stuff this year, as far as the voting process for the end of year pod, it's going to be a top four. Uh, so it's just going to go straight to the top four, and you'll get to vote from there. A few guys in the mix right now. I'm going back through the whole year and seeing who gets the most nominations because of course it's from the toughest stuff across the whole round Uh, now Payne Haas is going to be in there in that final four I haven't finished counting the votes I believe Adam Fanua Blake uh, will be in there guys like Carrigan Torhu Harris are also still very much in the mix I'll have to go back and count all the votes Uh, but the final nomination and someone himself who could be in the mix Tino Fasua Malawi Ran for over 200 metres against the Bulldogs. Woohoo. Sorry, I've been kind of disrespectful today. They just... I love the Bulldogs. They're just going shithouse. Uh, but Tino Fasua Malawi, it was tough stuff. He stood up. Our finals wasn't on the line, so it was his job as captain to actually motivate the team uh, to still come out and perform for their home fans. They did so. Tino, tough stuff for round 27. Uh, now, once this podcast is done... I'm going to go back and finish counting the votes. I've got through the first 12 rounds. Uh, and then once this pod's done, it'll all be finalized so I can go back through. And yeah, at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram, give us a follow now if you want to be voting. Usually I don't say, you know, I mean, you don't have to follow us. It's more for the voting process. If you want to get in on this, today's Monday, tomorrow's Tuesday, and it all starts. Tuesday. We're getting the polls out there uh, and we're going to get a bit of a head start. Now, moment of the round. Panthers four straight minor premierships. I won't talk too long about this, uh, but just a remarkable achievement. They're on track for three straight premierships and even though the minor premiership means fuck all, I mean, Panthers. The last couple of years especially, 
And even 2020, when they didn't go on to actually win the Premiership, they were just in a league of their own. Like, they were just running the competition. This year, they had a couple of key losses. Uh, They came back to the pack a little bit. And shockingly, the teams we were expecting, like Roosters, Bunnies, Eels, Cowboys, a lot of these teams we were expecting, even some people, the Bulldogs, uh, to come out and challenge the Panthers, they didn't do it at all. And then you've got sides like Brisbane, Warriors, uh, the ever-consistent Storm, who are challenging. But amongst it all, all the craziness of the season, the roller coaster, the teams improving, the teams declining, just craziness across the board, Panthers finish on top. So it's a, it's a very big achievement. I mean, R.P. Coruscant was huge. He was one of the major keys to their side. He's gone. Viliame Kikau, the same. They'd only just lost Matt Burton. They got other guys like Crichton, who are now on the way out, and Jerome Luai, who's injured ahead of this final series. But I just think Penrith, they'll be licking their lips. Bronx fans excited. Warriors fans excited. I would imagine everyone except maybe Raiders fans very excited ahead of this final series. So we're talking about all these other teams, or Panthers, they just sit pretty on top. And I'm nervous now, because Warriors, we play them week one. Now, moment of the round was Panthers at four straight minor premierships. End of year podcast, we will be doing a vote for moment of the season. Uh, That'll be going up just as a top four. And that'll just be my personal opinion. Like, this is nothing official. It's just not just a sports report. So if I've, like, left out something egregious that was clearly the moment of the round, like someone did something, or moment of the year, someone did something phenomenal, uh, that's okay. That's fine. We just move on. Anyway, cause for concern, South Sydney Rabbitohs. I already talked about them. Uh, But cause for concern, essentially every round I nominate a team doing some concerning shit. Rabbitohs were doing awesome for the longest time. They saved their most concerning for last. Mad Monday would be a weird vibe. Like, I'm sure they'll have fun, but at the same time, I mean, Jairo's dog attacked the coach. All the shit's going on, and they'll be sitting there. Like, even if they drink and they get to, like, the absolute sweet spot where everyone's just, like, telling each other how much they love one another, there is still going to be that feeling amongst the room of like, this celebration should be taking place immediately after a grand final win, not after an early exit. So South's have got some shit to work through concerning for them. Uh, Now, stat leader. For the first time since Mel Meninga, we have a player that has topped not just the point scorer list, but the try scorer list as well. And if you had told me a year ago that the player to do this, the first player since Mel Meninga, would be Jermaine Azarko from the Dolphins, I would have said you're out of your mind. Comes over this year to the Dolphins, back under Wayne Bennett. Last few years, just, it looked like maybe he was going to slip by the wayside, uh, become one of those players who maybe goes over to Super League, spends a bit of time in Q Cup. Comes over to the Dolphins, his start to the season... Like, my goodness, if he was a Queenslander, I reckon he would have been in amongst the frame for origin. So Jermaine Nazarko, top point scorer 
top try scorer, complete turnaround of his career, and it's only year one for the Dolphins. So you're going to have to imagine they'd get better. And the best part is the major narrative for the Dolphins coming into this preseason was that they had no marquee signings. They did not land any big fish. What I love is that they've transformed some guys into marquee signings. Jermaine Azarko's one of them. They would have signed him probably for next to nothing, playing most of his footy last year for Tweedhead Seagulls. They put him out on the wing. He can also kick goals. Very handy sharpshooter, hence why he's this season's top point scorer. You bring a guy like Azarko in, there is a marquee signing. Uh, Tabuai Fido, another example. There's a few across the board. But yeah, Azako gets a shout out here in the performance highlights. Top point scorer and top try scorer. Uh, I'll reserve a little spot for Jermaine Azako in the end of year pod. So we'll park that there. Knocking on the door. If this is your first time listening, what is knocking on the door? Uh, this is for reserve grade. So Queensland Cup or New South Wales Cup. Uh, and it's essentially knocking on the door. You're putting in a performance uh, that has you knocking on the door of first grade. Now now we're at the point of the season where you're going into finals. Like We're not seeing many depth players get called up. Uh, but I'm going to retain the segment, especially now reserve grade. We've hit the final series. So now it's a player uh, across final series, either New South Wales or Queensland Cup. They put in a great performance and are knocking on the door. Uh, this round, it's a Canberra Raider who played in their win uh, at cup level over the Blacktown Workers, James Schiller. Uh, now, Canberra, in my opinion, in terms of young players coming through, they have one of the most underrated backlines I think there is in the NRL. Like, I really rate their team. Matt Tomoko was one I rated... Uh, he came on big time this year, but I believe there are a few others. You know, your Albert Hopawates, your Brad Morcos. Uh, there's too many to name. Chevy Stewart, you've still got Xavier Savage in there, and that's just in the back line. Uh, but James Schiller, he had a phenomenal performance on the weekend in the win. He's someone as well we didn't see a lot of this year. Uh, Raiders fans, he has been sprinkled in the team here and there over the last couple of years. Had a couple of stints on the bench as well. Uh, But James Schiller, I think 2024-2025, we're going to see a lot more of him. So this is a big opportunity for him uh, to get a bit of finals intensity at cup level. And if he can continue putting in these performances, I mean, it's the biggest indicator. If you're killing it during finals in reserve grade, it's like, okay, this guy is ready for some more first grade experience. So James Schiller knocking on the door for round 27. And I was talking about young backline talents. I mean, Harley Smith-Shields. There's another one. I actually rate uh, the Raiders youngsters. Now, to finish off the performance highlights portion of the podcast, I'm going to go through the team of the round. And this one will be a basic summary. A little bit of a quick gist rather than a full-on breakdown. And then, end of year pod team of the year now how is this voting going to work it's going to be groups of four uh, and i like to do quickest way i can explain it 
fullback and team of the year. As far as the wings, I'm going to try and keep it like right-sided wingers, left-sided wingers. And we're going to do groups. I might just confuse you and blabble on trying to explain how the team of the round voting will work. So if you want to get in on it, at not just a sports report on Instagram, because that will explain it all. And you'll be able to see it in front of your eagle eyes. Hell to the fucking yeah. At team of the round, Tolu Kola, who was also player of the round. Dominic Young and Greg Marziu on the wings. Newcastle, is that nine straight? Going for a tenth straight win in week one of the finals. Marziu has been an exceptional signing. Dominic Young on the way out, unfortunately. But this whole project, bring Dominic Young over, has been superb. It was a great piece of recruitment. They also brought over Bailey Hodgson, who we haven't seen anything of. But next year, Knights bringing in a couple more Englishmen, Kai, uh, Kai Pierce-Paul, an English international, and Leon Price, I believe his name is, son of Carl, or other way around. There's some kind of Price, don't quote me on it. But anyway, Marzi, Dominic Young, team of the round. And I would say... They may very well be in the mix for Team of the Year voting. In the centres, Stephen Crichton, another great performance from him on the weekend, and Jesse Ramian, our last game of the regular season. Bit of a grind against the Raiders at stages there, but Ramian, I thought he had a fantastic game. In the halves, Team of Round 27, Papi, Karen Foran, celebrates Father's Day with a hat-trick. First of his career. I know it was against the Bulldogs. It's kind of funny, isn't it? The trend. It's like, holy shit, this player scored a hat trick. This player scored, uh, ran for 300 meters. Tino runs for 200 meters. It's like, what's the common denominator? Tigers and Bulldogs. Again, respectfully. Karen Foran, Daddy Des coming to the club next year. Just scored a hat trick. Karen Foran will be up and about. He plays tough as nails. Like, the first. We saw of Karen Foran coming on the scene uh, when he was a youngster. He had no regard for his safety or his body. Like uh, Sometimes you see halves get criticized a lot for not wanting to get into their work defensively. Karen Foran was whacking blokes. Like early manly Karen Foran was something else. And he's battled injuries, but there have been a lot of times at the Titans this year when he's fit. Uh, where he's had starring performances. So Karen Foran, he has still got some football left in the tank. Daddy Des on the way. Gold Coast. Could they be uh, one of the big surprise packets next year? Think Warriors this year. Think Cowboys last year. Could it be the Titans who explode in 2024? Not sure. Uh, but I do know who exploded here. Karen Foran. Three tries. A halfback of the round was pretty tricky uh, to narrow down. I had Nathan Cleary in there, Daly Cherry Evans, uh, but then the last game of the round happened. Nico Hines, four try assists, completely picks apart the Raiders, who look, they're not one of the major contenders, but they are a side who are in that final series. So it was against a top eight team. Uh, Nico Hines did as Nico does. And we'll see. We'll see if Nico Hines makes the voting for halfback of the year. Very, very big field this year. Guys like Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds, Nathan Cleary, 
just to name a couple. But Nico Hines has still had a pretty decent season, halfback for round 27. In my front row, I had Jacob Saifiti, who made an enormous difference against the Dragons, kept the Knights' win streak going, uh, and Big Tino for Suomalawe. In the number nine, now this was between a couple of blokes, the guy who just missed out, Luke Summerton for the Panthers. Uh, of course, they lost RP, Mitch Kenny, Sonny Luke, those are the guys. Uh, but I think there are a few pundits, myself included, who thought maybe young Riley Smith I was going to be brought into the fold, but it's been Luke Summerton. So obviously he's ticking the right boxes, had a great game on the weekend. He's someone for the Panthers uh, who we'll probably see a lot more of in the next couple of years. Uh, but my dummy half for team of the round, a Newcastle Knight. A Newcastle Knight who was a bulldog. Fucking very recently. New Brown. Farmanu Brown. He's floated around a bit, spent some time uh, over in Europe. Started his career, I believe, at the Sharks. Had a stint at the Bulldogs. Uh, when he returned from England, he spent like a preseason at the Roosters, I think. Then landed at the Tigers. I was playing well for the Tigers. I was like, okay, I think he's found his spot. Then he comes back to the Bulldogs in the preseason. Then midway through this year, New Brown lands at the Knights. And what I like about this is my biggest thing with Newcastle was if Jaden Braley went down, which he did, they let Chris Randall go. In my view, I thought they had no one uh, that could do a job in the nine. Phoenix Crossland hasn't been a stranger to team of the round in recent months. Uh, so he has totally proven himself. And then when Phoenix is unavailable, New Brown comes in, makes team of the round in the number nine. What Newcastle are doing is amazing. And as a neutral observer, I must say, last two months have got me on board the bandwagon. Now, Warriors are my guys, and Raiders are actually my second team. Uh, but when they're not going against my teams, like, I will be rooting for the Newcastle Knights. I'm really enjoying what they're doing. New Brown, dummy half for team of the round. In the back row, two players who had just unbelievable showings. Liam Martin for the Panthers, who's now going to be bracing himself for the final series. And Hamole Olakowati, there's another player for Manly. There's another reason to get excited. And Manly, they played two dud teams to finish the year. Unfortunately, they didn't do enough uh, before that to put themselves in the finals frame. Uh, but they finished strong. So hopefully they can keep that going. And yeah, I've read a couple of Manly fans. They're, they're pretty pumped about their chances of a bit of a, a, bit of a preseason dynasty. They're saying they reckon uh, clubs on track for back-to-back preseason challenges. So they could be, they could be onto something there. Anyway, Homoli in the back row, uh, Cameron Murray, lock in my team of the round. Gee whiz, you know, imagine being Cameron Murray, just busting your ass, putting everything you have into the team. I'd imagine he has a hot missus. Not that that's relevant, but he would come home to his missus. I would imagine sore, like busted after the weekend, the way he plays. He puts his whole heart and soul into it, still has to manage a relationship, still has to manage day-to-day life, and you don't even get to play finals. Like, holy shit. Like, your health is your wealth, 
I, I believe that is someone who treats his health very poorly. And Cameron Murray, like he's putting a, some serious mileage on himself, especially this year, some of the things he had to push through. And it, it needs to warrant the team around him lifting and playing finals. Uh, it kind of reminds me of guys like Simon Mannering, Tohu Harris for quite a while at the Warriors, who I just, or even Roger Tuovasa-Shek for a bit, where I'm just like, damn, you're going so fucking hard right now. Like you're really putting your body on the line and we're like 11th. So yeah, Cam Murray next year, they need to lift and they need to kind of work that out because you don't want to use up too many miles and then have him busted by the end of his career. Uh, but what do I know? I've played zero NRL games. So that was the performance highlights for round 27. We're going to keep the train moving and get straight amongst it with all eight games from round 27. Let us crack into the fixtures from round 27. Last round of a season that has just flown by. Uh, we started on Thursday night. Broncos against Storm, the same matchup. We're going to see week one of the finals. Very different teams. Uh, we saw a lot of the fringe players, and I loved it. This was a remarkable game. Probably the most fun game of the entire round to watch. We saw Pappenhausen at fullback. Suafar Logo came on and completely stole the show. Uh, Tristan Saylor for the Broncos had an exceptional game. This is good to see if you're a Storm or Broncos fan. You're both top four outfits. You're both going for the premiership. But depth is hugely important. And to see that those next guys up are ready to play their role, good to see. So Storm and Broncos, I'm going to mainly save that chat for the finals week one podcast, uh, just given the importance there. Uh, but 32-22, with that Melbourne finish third on the ladder, Broncos unfortunately don't get the minor premiership. Uh, but Kevin Walters, unbelievable job. He is firmly in the running uh, for Coach of the Year honours. Whilst Craig Bellamy, even with all the adversity, all the challenges, are uh, some of the players they lost. Still a top four finish. The standards at the Melbourne Storm are just something else. So we'll look forward to when they meet in week one of the finals. I bet it's a pass mark. Huge pass mark in the case of the Brisbane Broncos. Then, Friday, September 1st, wake the Tigers up when September ends. 54-12. Tigers just look done. Round 27, from very early on, it was pretty apparent they weren't going to play finals. They dropped a ton of games in a row. Did show some bright spots throughout, but yeah, they were just done. And you know what? I'm fine with it. It's a long season, and for like... 90% of it, they've known that they're fucked. Like, finals, no hope. And then wooden spoon locked in again. Like, you sink to a new low. So by this point, whatever, 54-12, we move on to 2024. Seagulls, really strong finish to the season. Of course, it's against Bulldogs and Tigers. Uh, but still, that will give fans some hope. Daily Cherry Evans, Ola Kawatu, uh, Jason Saab, Tolu Kola... They've all been on fire. So for Manly, well, the preseason dynasty is where they're going to have to start. But that is the end of their season. 
at least they finish on a high note. Jake Trebojevic gets a try in game 200. For Anthony Seabold, it's only year one. I reckon in around year three, we'll be able to make a full call on whether he's the right man for the job. But the signs have been good. Now, the amount of involvement with player agent Isaac Moses does concern me. But Anthony Seabold, I think he's done a pretty terrific job here, especially kind of the reputation he came in on. So big way to finish the season for the West Tigers. Shambles. Benji Marshall. It's now up to him. No Tim Sheens. I don't know what the hell's going on at the Tigers, but the more I see Benji as a head coach, the more I love it. It's just two things. The fact that he's had no coaching experience other than this year and the fact it's at the Tigers. I, I think it could it could burn Benji. Like it's probably the worst possible job you could take on in the NRL. But he's a club legend. So we will see. We will see. There are reasons to get excited uh, about the Tigers. Plenty of rising stars. Api Korosau has committed long term. Uh, still waiting to see what happens with Isaiah Papali'i, Stefano Yutoikamanu. But it's whatever at this point. Tigers finish with the wooden spoon. We'll touch on that uh, when we go through the ladder. Then on Friday night, Rabbitoh's season comes to an end against the arch rivals. Sydney Roosters, 26. South Sydney Rabbitohs, 12. And they're cooked. Now, this was a game... Basically, I wanted to see how the Rabbitohs played, given everything that had gone on. And they didn't play well. They... They miss out on finals, and they deserve it. It's the best way I can say it. I've already touched on them as well, but like I said, massive pressure now. It's just going to be like an avalanche for Jason Demetriou, young kids like Lachlan Elias, and ultimately the Adam Reynolds call. Like, with hindsight, I don't know. I really don't know. I think, what did he want, a three-year deal? They could have done with him over the last two years, and that is no slight on Lachlan Elias but Lachlan Elias could have also done with the extra time of not having to be the main man with the seven on his back the Adam Reynolds call yeah we'll have to see but ultimately they should have been they should be trying to win the premiership this year like they in their minds the premiership should be theirs if they work hard enough and they've missed out completely and the way, the way they bounced out against the Roosters, a team who for most of the year have been pretty dreadful. Like, they have not looked like a premiership contender. You come out in that game, finals intensity, everything on the line. South Sydney just, they weren't up to it. It's as simple as that. So 26-12, that sees the Sydney Roosters now make the finals. They've qualified and they could trouble anyone even from lower down in that top eight, and they'll be starting with the Cronulla Sharks. South Sydney, I don't know if there's been a bigger fail of a season. There have been plenty of worse teams, but I don't think there's been a team in premiership calculations. And this is almost the Roosters that were in this position, but it was the Rabbitohs who a lot of people were picking to go all the way this year. To completely miss the eight with the roster they have, uh, just the journey they've been on in the last few years, it's concerning all around. 
Roosters fans, though, they would have loved that. 26 to 12. And then on Saturday, Dolphins finished strong. What a season, too. They started strong, 3-0 going into the Battle of Brisbane. They were in the top eight mix for the longest time. A big fade out in the back end, but they finished strong against the Warriors. Now, as a Warriors fan, we were resting players, but I thought our depth players were good enough to do the job. Our Dolphins all over us. Totally outclassed us. Uh, now the Waz, we've been winning. It hasn't been too pretty in recent weeks. Like we haven't been playing exceptionally well. Uh, so it's a massive ask to take on the Panthers, uh, which I'll touch on later. Uh, but ultimately, this game belonged to the Dolphins. Wayne Bennett in year one built a competitive team. I spoke about Azako. You have Hamaso Tebuai Fido. Cody Nikarima, a former warrior, he tore us apart in this game. I thought Jared Wallace was excellent. And yeah, ultimately, some of the young guys in this team, they've had their first grade experience this year. The experienced uh, fellas have held it down. Guys like Mark Nichols, Kalfusi, the Bromwich brothers. And ultimately going forward into next year, under Wayne Bennett, Farnworth, Flegler, Avarillo signed on. Our top eight will be the goal. So much like they started, they finished strong. And as far as year one, I thoroughly enjoyed it. If you've listened to the pod before, you'd know I love new teams. I also used to live on the Sunshine Coast, so Dolphins somewhat represent that area. So I like them. I don't love them because uh, I'm a Warriors man. And they, they there's a bit, bit of shit going on there. They took Peter O'Sullivan from us. Uh, but I like them a lot. So, yeah, good on the Dolphins. Fantastic first season. They gave us some special moments, but the most exciting part is that there are so many more exciting moments to come. Strong finish for them, 34-10. to 10. Then on Saturday, you get what you deserve. Cowboys did not deserve to play finals. Very poor start to the season. Then, after quite a patch of it, Cowboys were playing as good as anybody and all of a sudden, they did deserve to play finals. They come into this game against the benchmark. If you want to be a premiership team, you're going to have to beat the Panthers at some point along the road. Now, Cowboys had beat the Panthers earlier this year. They needed a win here. And not only did they lose, they were blown off the park. 44-12. Todd Payton came out and he criticized pretty much the entire squad. Said, essentially, Luciano Leilua was the only guy out there trying to have a proper crack. So yeah, that's the closing statement for this game. Cowboys get what they deserve. They miss out. One of the teams last year who played in the preliminary finals. And yet there were factors as to why they came into this season struggling. Young players dealing with origin last year, into the World Cup, shortened preseason. But ultimately, they'll be kicking themselves. They fell one game short of the grand final last year. 2023 was supposed to be about pushing to that next level, getting yourself to the big dance. I know a lot of people had Cowboys as their pick for the Premiers. Uh, Scott Drinkwater, a lot of people had him for Deli M pick, but it totally fizzles out in round 27. That performance, I mean, it doesn't warrant, doesn't warrant finals. So 44 to 12, Panthers finish on top, Four straight minor premierships. They find themselves in the box seat to go all the way to the third 
consecutive year. Penrith, they are clearly the team to beat. That's the takeaway from this season. Broncos are the hunters. Out of all the other teams, like Broncos are the closest and the most likely to be able to get it done. But Panthers, they finish strong. They blitz the Cowboys, who are capable of beating anyone. And they just, they sit very nicely going into the finals. Then Saturday night, our Dragons, they were done with the season. And I don't blame the players, because the organisation, everything that went uh, went into the Anthony Griffin situation, the Dragons, I was saying it earlier in the year, they gave up on the season before it even started, so I'm done with them for this year. Excited to see what they do next year under Shane Flanagan uh, with some pretty good young players at his disposal. Uh, but I'm done with the Dragons for this year. This isn't on the players, it's not on Griffin, it's not on Ryan Carr. Uh, this is on the board and the organisation. Just the moves they were making, no wonder Ben Hunt wants to leave. It's been a circus shit show absolute shambles season and i'm done with them i'm sick of seeing them like because it was just so apparent before the season even started they're not in the premiership race so let's give them some time off let's give them a preseason, and let's look forward to 2024 uh, but as far as this game the dragons were done with the season newcastle even without ponga and some other star players 32 to 12 Nine straight wins. They keep a remarkable run going. And there is no reason at this point as to why they can't compete for the Premiership. And one thing as well that I think is very favourable. I know like people say you want to have at least one loss on the road to the finals. I don't think that's the case for the Knights. I think coming in on the back of nine consecutive victories, a number of them over teams that are participating in the finals, plus pushing Broncos to the edge, pushing the Panthers to the edge, Newcastle, they're officially the dark horse to go all the way. They are the team in the mix. Uh, we obviously favour the Panthers and the Broncos at the top of the heap. Newcastle, I'm putting it out there now, it's not a bold call. They are officially the dark horse. They were my pick to run last. And I've said before, whenever I put negative predictions out there, happy to be proven wrong. I'm not a hater. I'm not someone who wishes ill on teams, players, things like that. So I've gone from thinking they're going to finish last to being impressed through the first part of the season with their attitude. Now, the results were not there. They were turning up. They were giving it a red-hot crack. But about midway through the season, it was just like, okay, They've been able to compete with the teams, but they just keep falling short. Now, they go into it the first game against the Bulldogs this year. Uh, they played it for two-game series. That was the turning point. I remember coming on the preview podcast, and what I said was the key word surrounding Newcastle at that stage. Frustration. Week to week, they were showing up. They were punching well above their weight, but more often than not, they were falling short. And now Bulldogs at that point as well were in a frustrating situation. And I said going into that game for the Knights, it's either going to boil over and it's going to release and they're going to finally, you know, have this huge performance or the frustration's just going to get too much 
and it's going to start to go pear-shaped. 66-0. Phoenix Crossland shows us just a smidgen of what he's going to show us for the rest of the regular season. They blow the Bulldogs off the park. Since then, unbelievable. They made the Sharks look way more than average. They completely out-enthused the Melbourne Storm, a top-four outfit. The Raiders, who they play week one in the finals, they were far too good for the Raiders when they last met. They blew the Rabbitohs off the park. Newcastle are our dark horse, 32-12. to 12. If there was a game uh, where maybe there was going to be a bit of a banana peel slip-up, it was this one. Dragons capable of getting the win. No Ponga. I mean, no Phoenix Crossland. Tyson Gamble. What a signing. He has been one of the most underrated signings of the year. And he'll be in the mix. Because that's going to be for the end of year pod as well. A signing of the season. Tell you what, Tyson Gamble in the mix. Now, another thing that could have definitely slipped them up are Jackson Hastings. With the seven on his back, the iconic Newcastle Knights seven jersey. Hastings goes out, then we wonder, is that the catalyst for, you know, this run coming to an end? Enter Adam the Immortal Clune. Comes in, has something like three try assists in his first game. Comes out here against the Dragons and just says, fuck you, you know. Ben Hunt wants to leave you guys. Wish you guys could have kept me. Genuine number seven. Off to the Super League too. What a treat for Adam Clune, who's never been a walk-up starter. He did start quite a bit for the Dragons. Came over, had a crack at starting uh, for Newcastle. But here's a player going to the Super League, has never really been able to cement himself as a regular first-grade halfback. Now, he gets to be in, like I said, that iconic Newcastle number seven jersey in a final series, kicking off in Newcastle with a crowd that are going to be losing their shit. There is no doubt about that. So good on Adam Clune, good on this entire night side, and they are surging into finals. They are coming in hot, starting with the Raiders, which is a very intriguing game. Given Raiders, they're my second team. I love them. Don't take this as disrespect. But they have been playing the shittest football by far out of every team in the top eight. They have a significantly worse differential than anyone else. They are limping into finals. Their team, Jack Whiten, has gone from being the 5-8 majority of the year. Now he's in the centres. Looks like Seb Chris going to be suspended. He spent most of the year at fullback. They've done the late switch to Jordan Rapiner. Jared Croker came in in his retirement season. Now he's on the bench. Matt Frawley at number six, Papali'i out for the season, like Ricky Stewart telling people to fuck off, which I guess is just the norm. Raiders are not in a good place, but that's what makes this so intriguing because Knights couldn't be in a better spot, but it's elimination final, and that's the total game changer. It doesn't matter. Obviously, a little bit of form matters and where you've been, but it's about where you're going. So Raiders, it would be a huge statement if they come out, they end this run of the Newcastle Knights. But if we're going on momentum and vibe, it's going to be one hell of a challenge. And form. Newcastle's form has just, it's been superb. So Knights, they finished the regular season 
32 to 12, a season in which I don't know if I can speak for everyone and say not a lot of us. I can absolutely speak for myself. I did not envision Newcastle playing finals. And if they did, I thought maybe they scrape in toward the bottom. I didn't see this coming and I have loved it. It's been a little bit different to Jared Hayne 09 season where the Eels went from bottom of the ladder. There hasn't been like a freakish uh, Delium winning season. Like Ponga has been unbelievable. If he played as he has over the last couple of months for the whole year, which of course started at 5'8", missed about 10 weeks or something. If he'd played like that all year, well, he could have won the Delium. But just kind of where they were at, at the halfway point, or just past that, going into that game against the Bulldogs, that they ended up winning 66-0. They were for all money, missing the top eight. Now, they come in as one of the sides we are all talking about. Now, I know they're sitting outside uh, the top eight, so they're going to have to go the hard road. But they've shown that they can beat all these teams in the bottom part of the eight. They've pushed Penrith to the limit. They've pushed the Broncos to the limit. Nine straight wins. And I've always liked the Newcastle Knights, but I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've been more invested in what they're doing and genuinely wishing success upon them unless they meet the Warriors in finals week two and then they can get fucked. Uh, But as for right now, yeah, Newcastle, huge pass for the season. Adam O'Brien deserves a lot of credit too. Here's a coach who could have easily been out of a job. He has his team in fifth spot. Dark horses to go all the way. Uh, Sunday, yeah, 34-30, Titans-Bulldogs. That scoreline, 34-30 game, basically summarizes their season. It's why they're nowhere near finals. Both conceding 30 points. Uh, Bulldogs conceded 34, so yeah. Josh Adokar scored a hat-trick, good on him. But so did Karen Foran. Neither of these sides playing finals, so I don't have a lot to say. Des Hasler incoming for the Titans. I was for the Bulldogs. I think they're just in the process of weeding some guys out. And who knows how serious this is? They're saying players want to walk out. Now, the media are treating it very seriously, but they love to blow things out of proportion. But right now, it's hard to tell. It's like, okay, players wanting to leave... Are we talking like reserve graders and stuff? Or are we talking like the cream of the crop? We don't exactly know. And for Seraldo, I back him 100%. Now, if information comes out or genuine proof comes out that, you know, something untoward's happening, like he's just working these guys to the bone and he is being unfair, well then we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But I am of the belief that Seraldo... Like he's, he never had issues at the Panthers bringing through the under-20 squads when he just had some young, hungry kids. He got to see firsthand some of these guys like James Fisher-Harris, Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, Brian Toto. He got to see some of these guys come to him as youngsters. He would have seen how hard they worked. He would have seen the heights they went on to reach. And the proof is in the pudding. He knows what premiership success looks like Obviously, Bulldogs, a different club to the Panthers. 
But that's one thing they're working on now. And I think that's why this process is happening where Seraldo has essentially put a line in the sand and said, if you're not going to come here, leave no stone unturned and work your backside off to be able to compete for a premiership, then if you want to fuck off, you can. And it's harsh, but I think it's fair. He's not saying, say like player X, like you're a fucking gronk, you want to leave, like fuck off. He's just saying, this is the standard. If you're not going to work that hard, then you can leave. Harsh, but fair. And I think it needs to happen. Bulldogs, so far off the mark. They've had a losing culture, so I don't think it's unfair to suggest that they work harder. And several comments I've seen are from the likes of Seraldo, where he said things like, Panthers, he's been at the Panthers for the longest time. He said their days a lot fucking longer. So I would imagine Cameron Seraldo has been right in the inner sanctum of Penrith, has seen how hard they're working, and he is clearly seeing the Bulldogs way off the mark, like they're not even close. And I think that's reflected in their performances. So he's asking them to work harder. He said, if you're not willing to really get into it, then you can leave. Now, the biggest question mark around this, who are the players? Like, if you haven't Jacob Preston work out, then that's an issue. But Jacob Preston, I feel like he came to the club as this young kid this year, earned himself a starting spot because he works his ass off. So we're going to have to see... Uh, interesting as well when you've got guys like Addo Carr, who've been under Bellamy at the Storm. Like, guys like that, those are the ones you'd want to hear from and be like, where are things at? Because they might be uh, a more decent judge. But Sorelda, he said, Panthers put in longer days. Look where they are. He also said, the Jersey flag, like, that's a long day for our junior players who they come to training in the morning, then they go and work or they study then they come back and they train at night. That hunger. And the Bulldogs, funnily enough, outside of NRL level, going very well across the grades, especially in the juniors. So that's the system that's happening right now. They're working out whether it's unfair or it is fair. If you don't want to work to the absolute maximum, leave no stone unturned, then you can piss off. Because we've got kids coming through who are showing plenty of talent, ability, they're getting the results, they're showing all the signs, but most importantly, they're working hard. They're coming to training, they're working longer days than the NRL boys, but they've got that hunger. That hunger of a kid who hasn't yet made it to the NRL. They're in and around the system, they're seeing the first graders at training. Hunger. And it feels like that's what the Bulldogs first grade side is missing. A lot of their marquee players have tasted premiership success. And some of the younger guys, we've seen plenty of hunger from the likes of Kiraz, Blake Wilson, Jacob Preston. But it just seems like that's the issue. Maybe they've kind of lost that spark because a lot of them now have played first grade, even if it's a little bit and they haven't gone that well. They've played first grade and it just seems like the basic hunger to even be a competitive squad doesn't seem to be there. And you've got a guy like Cameron Seraldo, who's overseen by someone like Gus Gould. And their goal is to be going for premierships. Maybe not immediately, 
But that is the goal. So we're going to see over the next couple of years, I think, uh, they're going to weed the roster out. Who wants to stay? In my opinion, I reckon a lot of them will stay. I would say if we see a couple leave, I will be shocked if it's like a massive name player. So we'll see what goes on there. They're working through their roster. But yeah, ultimately, the players are just falling well short of the mark. And then you look at the Panthers, who not only have they maintained that hunger, and it just seems like for all of them, it's their first season in first grade all over again, just with how excited they are and how much they get around each other. They work hard. They clearly play hard. Like you see Penrith when they score tries. Uh, they really do enjoy themselves, get around each other. And it's just, it seems like the place to be. Now they've still got the hunger to be finishing first when they've already won two premierships. They still have that hunger for a third. You've got a bulldog side who have been so lackluster over a number of years. They've been in and around wooden spoon territory, have not been a finals outfit. The fact this year that there have been very few times collectively where they've shown hunger, I don't know. I just, it's like you haven't quite earned the right because it's not like you've been winning premierships. So, Sorrell, I'm backing him 100%. It might just take some time. And they're also going to want to have a look at these young guys in their squad as they develop. So, let's see what happens there. 34 30. Such a classic Titans-Bulldogs game. Then we finished off. Uh, this game wasn't that fun to watch, but Sharks are completely outclassed Raiders. Raiders, they are flat out. They're lucky. They're very lucky to be playing in the top eight. And they could get exposed very badly. Like, out of every side going in, they're in the worst shape. Uh, Cronulla have had some moments where they've looked pretty shite, but they, they've managed to right the ship at the back end. Trindle into the number six. They were simply far too good for the Raiders here. Now Sharks match up with the Roosters, finals week one, uh, which I'll be going into detail on the preview podcast, uh, dropping on Wednesday. Raiders, as I said, traveling to Newcastle to play the Knights. Now you've got Frawley in the six. They've moved White into the centers. Like I said, Croker on the bench. It's just, does this look like a side that are preparing to gun for the premiership it doesn't to me happy to be proven wrong it doesn't look like that to me though and lastly for round 27 the bye Parramatta Eels uh, who I will talk about when we finish the podcast with Ladder Watch uh, but they didn't play this weekend and I think ultimately the fact they did have the bye is perfect because that's how I would just summarize their season highlights two wins over the Panthers they did have a bit of a mid-season surge. 2023 for the Eels, though. Bye. Bye. Finishing off the podcast. Final weekend wrap for the regular season with ladder slash finals watch. Uh, so the last look at the ladder for the season. All the positions are set. And usually... I'll go from bottom to top because I don't like to finish on a negative note. That's what I'm going to do here. Uh, then when I get to the top eight as well, uh, I'll talk quickly uh, about the fixtures coming up in finals week one. But of course, I'll save the main preview and the main chat around those games, my predictions, 
uh, some of the key battles, the storylines. Most of that uh, will be the weekend, well, not the weekend wrap podcast, sorry, the preview podcast. And then, of course, I will be back uh, for the weekend wrap next weekend, same time, uh, to go through all the results from week one of finals. So we're going to get into it. We're going to go up the ladder, starting at the bottom, West Tigers. Season review. Uh, They came out, they lost their first handful of games. It was over then already. The Tim Sheen's coaching thing, was it the right call? In hindsight, no. Uh, Now Benji inherits the shit show. I have a soft spot for the Tigers. Shout out to the Tigers uh, for taking a game to New Zealand, which nobody else did. Uh, But unfortunately, going into this year, my belief around the Tigers was that they had bottomed out. They've dropped from 16th, last place to 17th last place Uh, so they've actually sunk to a new low really disappointing season pack it up and let's see how they go 2024 hopefully uh, they can be one of the major surprises of next year 16th place dragons uh, that's about right i saw phil gould come out in the preseason and he was like i don't know why everyone's saying dragons are going to come last they absolutely will not finish last and gus was right They finished second to last. Ben Hunt wants to leave. The whole Anthony Griffin thing. Uh, But let's see what Shane Flanagan does. I've said before, it's going to take him some time uh, to build a really strong Dragons outfit. But I'm not having that conversation today. Like I said, after what I've seen from the Dragons this year, um, I'm happy. I'm happy it's over. I'm not going to cry because it happened. I'm happy because it's over. So thanks for coming, Dragons. Good luck to their fans. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to bag your team, but seriously, I've just seen enough. I don't want to see anything more of them in 2023. And they weren't playing for anything. Uh, I don't imagine they're going to play finals this year, uh, next year, sorry. But I did tip Knights to come last this year. So who knows? I could be totally off the radar. I just think with Flano coming in, it's going to take him some time to actually work out What's going on? Because the roster they've built as a collective needs needs a bit of a touch-up. So Dragons 16th, congratulations for not finishing last. Bulldogs 15th, uh, but I've said it before, they, in my opinion, have been the worst team this year. And they're Dragons, Tigers below them. But on the eye, on effort, on progression, I believe Bulldogs worst team this year. I'm fortunate too, because a lot of us were getting excited about what they could potentially do this year. But like I said just before, Cameron Seraldo, he's in the process of cleaning out this roster, which they've already undertaken that process over the last couple of years, but it's just going to take some time. Now I see some people criticizing, like Bulldogs fans saying, oh great, we're just signing a heap of reserve graders. Blake Taft, Jamin Salmon, rumors... They're looking at Kurt Mann. But I'll tell you what this reminds me of. When Gus Gould first landed at the Panthers, Rome wasn't built in a day. Or first landed like he was there before. But when he came back around 2011 with the five-year plan and everything, uh, their under-20s didn't just immediately take off. What happened first was he signed a heap of guys and they weren't superstars. So they got rid of the likes of Michael Jennings, Luke Lewis. At the time, people were thinking, what are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to think of some guys that came over in that period. 
Uh, Kevin Naguama, he was one of them. Like, they just signed a heap of guys that could compete for first-grade spots. Uh, who was another one they signed? I'm pretty sure Cameron Seraldo came over uh, around that same time. And they were just bringing in guys who had first-grade experience. Uh, and similar to what they're doing at the Bulldogs now with Phil Gould. Uh, he's not... I mean, Stephen Crichton, a huge signing, but guys like Taff, uh, so Soby Texton, I was going to say, Toby Sexton, uh, Jamin Salmon, Kurt Mann, and some of the other guys they're bringing in, essentially, they're just, it looks like they're doing a similar thing, where guys like Salmon, Kurt Mann, they're going to be competing for positions, very good utility value as well, uh, so you can find a spot for them in your best 17, these are the guys that are going to tide us over until Bulldogs have these young guns that are ready to step up. Uh, so Bulldogs, they're just in the process of working their roster out. We're going to see some guys leave. Yes, some players are going to walk out. But let's not forget, they do have some players walking in. Kurt Mann, plenty of experience. You could play him literally anywhere in the squad. Jamin Salmon, very much the same. If you want him in the halves, he can definitely play there. Can play in the edge back row. Centers. And they're just going to hold it down. Uh, whilst we wait for these young guys to come through. Salmon. Coming from a premiership winning culture. Uh, so you're going to have guys come in. They're going to work hard. Blake Taff coming in. Looking to cement himself as a regular first grader. So I think now when Seraldo's saying. If you don't want to work this hard. You can fuck off. I think he says that knowing full well he's got these guys coming in who are going to work their backside off. So 2023, a disastrous season, uh, but we'll see how they go long term. Speaking of disastrous seasons, 14th place Titans, that's about right too. They showed plenty to like, uh, but their defense, I have to say at every podcast, that is what's stopping them. Because there's so much to like, and it's like, what's going wrong? Why aren't they? Uh, in the top eight is one of the stronger sides. Uh, but in this case, it's not some mystery where we're all scratching our head. It's their defense. Uh, but Des Hasler enters the club next year. I've said it on previous podcasts. You look at Shane Flanagan, what he's walking into at the Dragons, uh, what Benji has inherited at the Tigers. And then you look at a side... Uh, like the Gold Coast Titans. Des Hasler, proven premiership winner, comes in to coach the side, and he does not walk into a circus. Tino, Fodawaka, David Fafita, Jojo Fafita, Khan Pereira, Phil Sammy, Jaden Campbell, Brimson. And the list just goes on and on. And you have to feel like Des Hasler, I don't know, it feels like this is going to be a perfect pairing. Now throw in Kieran Foran off the back of three tries. He has wanted for the longest time to be coached by Dez once again. So Gold Coast Titans, uh, we will pick back up when it gets to preseason. Start getting excited about what possibly this new look Gold Coast side could do. But today, to wrap up the 2023 regular season, it's been a fail. They came in with Justin Holbrook. They leave with Jim Lenahan, Des Hasler on the way. 13th place Dolphins, remarkable season. Uh, some people said they'd be lucky to get a win. They had nine of them. Uh, a great stretch at the start of the season. 
couldn't put the full season together. Uh, now, I think that's going to serve some of these younger players, the Katoas, the Jack Bostics, uh, the Mason Teagues. I think it'll serve them well just to get this time under their belt. And Dolphins, I mean, 13th isn't a bad spot for them. It tells us they're going in the right direction. The foundation has been laid. The standards are set. Uh, and we know that this is a side to watch in years to come. 12th placed Seagulls. Uh, I spoke a bit about it before. Unfortunately, not the season they had hoped for. Uh, but really strong finish. Anthony Seabold, jury's still out, but I do think he made some great decisions this year. And my favourite thing has been the redemption arcs uh, over at Manly. The team even having to kind of redeem themselves after what happened at the back end of last year. Not because of any sides of the fence they chose, just the way their season totally fell out from under them. So the team in general are needed redemption Anthony Seabold, is there a coach in NRL history who needed a shot at redemption? He brings in Jake Arthur. We want to see this kid get a bit of redemption. Signs Luke Brooks, for goodness sake. There's redemptions left, right, and center. And there are some fun players like Gordon Chan Kum Tong. 2023, we only saw a little bit of him. But I tell you what, what we've seen at the back end... 2024, it could be time to come. Seagulls 12th, uh, don't have much else to say. Tolu Kola though, I mean, hell yeah. 11th placed Cowboys. So that's where they drop down to, that is where they finish. Fail season. Todd Payton won't be happy. Uh, and yeah, I wonder what changes they're going to make. Next year, uh, there's going to be a centre spot vacancy. Zach Labert in the frame, Viliami Vailir crossing over from the Warriors. Uh, one thing I've seen in recent times is Cowboys have made some crafty signings. Like Semi Velme coming over mid-season ended up being a bit of a game changer. Uh, so I think Cowboys, they're not going to be afraid to have a bit of a look at the player market. They've got some great young talents uh, who are still yet to see first grade. So of course you'll work on getting them up to speed. But yeah, I feel like Cowboys... They might want to run their eye over their current squad, which is amazing, and just work out the little bits you need to tinker uh, to go to that next level and challenge for the Premiership. So 11th place, definitely not good enough. 10th placed Eels, not much better. And yeah, weird decision. They let Reid Marnie go. They let Isaiah Papali'i go. Marata Niakore, Ray Stone left the club. They lost all these guys. After being in the grand final last year, they came out, just got off to a slow start, had an awesome mid-season surge, uh, but they just had left themselves with too much to do. Dylan Brown gets himself in trouble, uh, finds himself missing for a little bit there uh, from action. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a failed season. Jermaine Hopgood comes over, fantastic signing. Brad Arthur, you want to talk about redemptions? Bryce Cartwright career best form. Uh, so Eels, we've seen uh, with a lot of changes, we've still seen some great things from them, uh, but to go from grand final to 10th, that's a fail. There's no other way uh, you can really go about that. Ninth place, biggest fail ever, South Sydney Rabbitohs. My goodness, I think I've said enough about them. Now, let's get 
to the top eight, and more specifically, the games ahead of us in finals week one. This Friday, 8th of September, Sun Corp Stadium, Brisbane, we saw this game last Thursday. But this time around, the stakes couldn't be higher. All the star players you'd have to assume are going to be back on deck. Full strength, Brisbane Broncos, who, as I said, they are quite clearly the biggest challenger to the throne of the back-to-back premiers in the Panthers. Broncos, Suncorp, it's going to be going off. And if they win that, they book in a Suncorp prelim. Massive times for Broncos fans. Whilst for the Melbourne Storm, they finish third. I think it's fair to say there is a bit of a discrepancy between the top two uh, and then third and fourth position. Uh, But nonetheless, Melbourne, they literally, different teams, but they beat the Broncos on Thursday night. Now with Munster back, Harry Grant, uh, Ryan Pappenhausen has returned. Storm, they will fancy their chances. They have a tremendous record at Suncorp Stadium and a win for them would book in an Amy Park home prelim final. Uh, So it doesn't get much better than that to kick us off Friday night. Uh, That is the second place to Broncos. So Kevin Walters, remarkable season. They unfortunately miss out on the minor premiership, but ultimately, who gives a shit about the minor premiership? It's what, like 200 grand? You kidding me? 200 grand? I don't know. I feel like I just, yeah, they could do better. They could do so much better. So Broncos finished second. Where you don't get to finish first, but at the same time, top two. Sorry, my eyes are watering. I Between the games and this segment, I got some chicken from a place called Bell's Hot Chicken. And I should have known, it says hot chicken in the title, but there were like spice levels. And it went up and it went up and then it went hot and then it went extra hot and then it was like, you know, fucking super hot. And then it was Sex Panther was the last one. And I was like, well, because that's last, I'm going to assume that's the hottest one. Sex Panther, though, that's not like, you know, outright saying this is spicy as fuck. And it's hard to kind of tell. So I got Sex Panther. That was definitely the hottest spice. I think they gave me four tenders. I am two down. I had to pause. I thought I was good to record. I am now. But my eyes started watering. Before I was fucking, I was trying to find some milk, anything, yogurt in the mouth, ice in the mouth, ice cube. Uh, So, yeah, goodness gracious, Bell's hot chicken. Sex Panther is fucking hot. I think I need to space them out. Like, I got the vibe. I was like, if I try and smash all four of these, I don't think I'll be returning for Ladder Watch. So here we are for Ladder Watch. Broncos second, Storm third. Considering it's a new era at the club, they lose the Bromwich brothers, Brandon Smith, Felice Carfusi. I have to bring in a new look team. Now, some of the usual suspects, but more so in terms of their top 30, it's a very different looking Melbourne Storm team. Now, their season didn't get off to the hottest start. There were times pretty early where it looked like Melbourne maybe could miss the eight. It's just a credit to them, it's a credit to Bellamy and the players that they finished third. 
each year we can find reasons as to why maybe the storm are going to fall off and they never do and they haven't here yet again so Broncos storm friday night saturday i am nervous blue bets uh, stadium it's going to say blue bets saturday i'm losing my head first place panthers four straight minor premierships on track for the three-peat at their natural home too of blue bet uh, so that place is going to be rocking against my side the fourth placed warriors after how we looked last year going into this year i'd kept the faith for so long i'd said it's our year for so long and this year i certainly wasn't being negative about the team but i was just done with it being our year i was like i say that every year and it never is but this year it has been our year regardless of what happens from here on out i could not be more proud would have been happy with a top eight finish top four is outstanding does it get any harder than panthers week one of the finals definitely not but we've done enough to give ourselves a double chance and you know what why kick stones about playing penrith i think it's pretty clear if you want to win the premiership this year at some stage along the line you're gonna have to knock off the champions if you want to be the best you have to beat the best so i'm going to be off my tits losing my absolute marbles for that game as you can imagine and whatever happens here for the warriors i am so proud of where things are at andrew webster in webby we trust the panthers oh it doesn't get any tougher than that so that'll be saturday afternoon then saturday night at shark park the bermuda triangle a place that has troubled their opponents in the past the sixth placed Cronulla Sharks who they were gunning for top four but then their season kind of fell by the wayside they were in free fall they managed to right the ship right on time they finished sixth against the seventh placed Roosters one of the more ordinary teams throughout this whole season and up until the South's mishap the biggest underachievers but right toward that home stretch Trent Robinson he's managing to get the best out of his side and now they come in in seventh position but I think all of us know Sydney Roosters can beat any team in this top eight so Sharks hosting the Roosters that is going to be a banger and then Sunday afternoon potentially the game of the round I don't know Panthers Warriors will be huge and I don't know why I said that like that uh, and Broncos and Storm will be off chops. I just feel like the Newcastle, the energy in the Hunter Valley this weekend is going to be something else. You have a severely out of form Canberra Raiders. They limp into the finals. Whilst you have the Knights electric nine consecutive wins looking to make it 10 in front of their home faithful. It's going to be a sellout. And you know that the place, the energy it's just going to be buzzing. So that is going to be one way, one hell of a way, rather. I'm getting too excited now uh, to cap off week one of the finals. Uh, but that's been it for today. The round 27 weekend wrap. Uh, and as for what's up next, finals week one preview podcast. So that's going to come out on Wednesday. I'll be going through all the games. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. You kind of get the gist. And then... Uh, at the conclusion of finals week one, 
I will be back for the Weekend Wrap podcast. Our preview is going to be all about asking some questions. Weekend Wrap, all about discussing the answers. We're going to be one step closer toward finding out who our premiers are this season. Eight teams will become six. And yeah, the real fun stuff is about to begin. I'm up and about. Hopefully you're the same. Uh, To anyone who's listened to any podcast this year, whether this is your first one, uh, whether you've listened to a few this season, thanks for listening. Uh, Very much appreciated, as always. Can't be sitting in my room talking for fucking an hour to nobody. I can, but yeah. Appreciate you listening, essentially, and hopefully uh, you've enjoyed what I've put out there, at least a smidgen of it. Uh, do not forget as well, at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. Tomorrow we kick it off voting for Player of the Year, Rising Star, Team of the Year. It's all going to be popping off. So if you heard that earlier, you do want to cast your vote at Not Just a Sports Report on Instagram. But other than that, uh, we're done ski. So there's nothing else to do now. I've uh, kick back and hold off until the round, well, not round. Finals week one. We're done with the rounds. Holy shamali. I did not think I would be sitting here at the end of 27 rounds with the Warriors in the top four. So I am going to go and dwell on that. I'm going to go dwell on that fact. And you can do the same. Up the waz. Let's see how we go. If your team's still in the mix, good luck. If your team's not in the mix, better luck next year.